I fear that some of our listeners may want us to come down way harder, either left or right on this issue, Heath. But again, I have to say, my heart breaks that culturally there exists a stereotype that says that Christians, any of us, God's kids, and by extension, maybe God himself is anti-anybody. That goes so against the gospel and what John 3.17 says about Jesus. It says, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn or judge the world, but to save the world. And notice it doesn't say, except for certain people who believe or do certain things. As a Christian, you cannot offer someone moral guidance unless you're also ready to accept and love them right where they are, just as Jesus accepts and loves us as we are. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath. Good to be with you, my friend. Hey, man. Uh, I haven't seen you since Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, Did man. you go do the Black Friday stuff? Or are you a Cyber Monday sort of person? Nope, none of that. Nope. In fact, no. we started Christmas shopping long ago, and the idea of standing in line yeah. when there's this thing called the interwebs is ridiculous. Makes no to sense me. anymore. I'm not yeah. saying I'll never go to a store. I usually it's like one time a Christmas, Tina and I kind of like gird up loins and we try to go yeah. like <laughs> on a Monday afternoon or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who? When is the least? But no, this idea of going on Black Friday. I know some families, and if this is yours, you know, God bless you. I don't understand the. Well, it's know, getting earlier too. It's like now starting at 4 p.m. on. Thanksgiving I don't night. Know. Like, yeah, you know. there's no way I'm like at midnight so I can get like a hundred bucks off a TV or something. I have a TV. I have a, I have a spare. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah. no, I'm not into it. Um, I'm more of a Cyber Monday. Here's how old I am, man. Years ago, I, I've been writing for years. I was writing for a magazine on sort of new media and you know upcoming digital gadgetry and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was writing about. Um, the internet back then was literally the internet. There was no wide world, world wide web. There sure. was no like browsers. Or, I mean, it was right, right. But it was just starting and it was like e-commerce was like this brand new thing and everybody was so afraid of it. Oh, interesting. I'm going to get ripped off. I'm totally going to get ripped off. You know still what I mean? my credit card information. And it still happens. You know what I mean? But, yeah, sure. you know, but I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way that I'm going to get the magazine to pay for my shopping this year. I'm going to completely shop for all my Christmas needs. And I'll go like, I bought this for my mom. I got this for my dad. I got this for my kids, this yeah. for my wife. And I'm going to do it all online. And it's going to only take me like two hours or sure. something. And I'm going to document the whole thing. And that's going to be my big jam because no one had ever done it. Yeah. That's how early it was. Wow. I didn't do it. I didn't have the guts to hit him up. So it's going to cost you 200 <laughs> bucks. And I don't, you know, I don't think they even paid me that per article back then. <laughs> Isn't that funny, man? Yeah. The world has come a long it's way. It's come a long way. So no, uh, no Black Friday for me. Maybe a little Cyber Monday. I don't know. That's always fun. Man. <laughs> so um, I've been in the church for a really long time. And I know that as long as I've been in the church, Christians have unfairly, or maybe even at times fairly, to be honest, been stereotypes for different beliefs or actions or assumed beliefs. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah, this has been on my heart a little bit lately. Like... The fact that, you know, it comes up where people like, how do you answer when someone says, are you a pastor or are you, are you, are you a Christian? Like, how do you, do you say yes? Or, yeah. you, you know, and it's just like, not only are basic things sort of weird now to talk about, like mm -hmm. we don't even know because we don't know what people think. But then, like you said, there's, there's quite a few stereotypes attached to Christians 
that maybe they're fair, maybe they're not. Like maybe yeah. we've earned them, maybe they're not. So just so we're all on the same page, when I say stereotype, it's defined as a widely held, fixed, and oversimplified image or an idea of a particular type of person or thing. Stereotypes are an interesting concept because most people are likely to say that stereotypes are not true, but they still exist, right? Mm -hmm. And I think why they exist is we all like to put people into a box, sort of label them in ways that we can you know, either easily dismiss or categorically aspire to them mm -hmm. without really getting into the messiness of knowing people and knowing each other and truly being known. So it's kind of just easier to throw stereotypes on people. I was reading an article online today called, um, and people can Google this up, When Hollywood Goes to Church, hmm. 18 stereotypes, you know, that like you see over and over and over. Sure. And, and it was kind of funny, but kind of painful, but it was somewhat, it was definitely true. Like, like some of it says in, 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 so remember, this is when Hollywood goes to church. If you walk into a church in the middle of the week, the pastor is always tending to the altar. <laughs> right yeah. that's where he's at you know it yeah. doesn't matter what if it's denominational if you have an all but that's how it's it you know how it happens um the most prominent feature on a pastor's desk is a large open bible on a huge wooden book stand <laughs> it's true so this is like how hollywood sees us but today we're going to look at and i i did a little kind of research like yeah. what are the most common stereotypes applied to christians these days and maybe some of the most hurtful ones in the sense of hurtful, not like, oh, ouch, I don't like hearing that to be <laughs> about us, yeah. uh, but that hurtful in the sense that they're not helping and they're keeping people from God. And I think in many cases we can ch help change them, right? Hey, so. You know, what's crazy is that, you know, Christians get stereotyped so, so quickly and as followers of Jesus, we want to look and act and live like him. But when you read the life of Jesus, he was actually really hard to pin down. He's also, he's kind of moving in this third way of doing things. And so when people tried to stereotype him and get him tripped up and what they thought he was going to act or, or a decision he was going to make, he sort of skirted it and went the other way, right? It, he, <laughs> it was, he was always hard to pin down. Yeah. You think Jesus followers should look a little bit like this as well? Well, I, I love this idea of Jesus always took the third way. I don't think that when we see Jesus wasn't like trying to be sneaky, you know, yeah, like yeah, for sneaky so. sake, you know, it's just that his ways and what and who he focused on were so different than what people expected, especially mm. the religious types, or what they expected from a religious type of person, or as a teacher, you know, as they called him, right? Or maybe even as Messiah, who some sure. believed. So in other words, what he focused on was so different than what they expected from a religious type. And, mm. and it both made him hard to categorize and fit into their neat little boxes. And in some cases, it was kind of a disappointment to folks. Sure. Now, in that, though, I think we have some insight into how we get to live that is true to him and tears down common, unhelpful stereotypes about who his followers really are and what we're really all about. Hmm. So I think he does give us some sort of patterns there. Yeah. So what are you seeing as some of the most common stereotypes uh, that are out there about Christians and how might we have earned these for ourselves and how do we go about changing them? Yeah, I wish it's not, I wish it wasn't true, but some of it is. Well, I don't know if this is in any particular order, but here we go. Okay. I'm going to okay. give you five that I think are big ones and they're not helpful. Uh, first stereotype they want to address is Christians think they're better than everyone else, but they're really hypocrites. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's a pretty common stereotype out yep, there. I've heard that. A lot of times Christians are viewed as being super intolerant. And we're seen as a group of people who have no room for dialogue with others that hold different values or beliefs than us. Hmm. And some Christians act as if they're always right and putting themselves in higher regard. 
But remember, this hour is exactly what Jesus told us not to do. We shouldn't yeah. think of ourselves as you know better than others like that because we're all at the same place, right? So the reality is, is the gospel is easy to express, but it's hard to live out. Hmm. And as much as Christians might want to deny this claim, there's sadly plenty of evidence to back this up. In fact, you know, like Barna, who does all the crazy research out there, they they've done they've done some looking in, 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 into this stuff and done okay. some polls. And while it's impossible to truly know people's hearts, one of their studies really shed some light on the average Christian's motivations here. So um, they did a they looked at a group uh, and studied to see if Christians were more like Jesus or more like the Pharisees. Huh. They asked them. Uh, they asked Christians 10 questions that showed Christ-like actions and attitudes, like, I like to listen to others to learn their story before telling them about my faith, hmm. or I see God-given value in every person, regardless of their past or present condition. And they asked them 10 questions that showed pharisaical attitudes and actions. I don't talk about my sins or struggles, or that's between me and God, or I feel grateful to be a Christian when I see how other people live and how their flaws. Hmm. Okay, so they showed them these questions, sort of 10 that were like Jesus kind of heart and attitude and 10 that were pharisaical. And the results were pretty discouraging. 51% of Christians that got looked at these showed pharisaical attitudes and actions while, you know, like that they agreed with the statement, Mm -hmm. while just 14% showed that they agreed with the Christ-like attitudes and actions. Wow. And 21% showed Christ-like attitudes, but they agreed with the pharisaical action. (laughs) Really? So, you know, it's probably time that we stop denying it, like, oh, I'm not like those Christians, and owned up to the fact that we, like everyone else, are broken and sinful human beings desperately in need of a Savior, Yeah. right? We talked about that on last week's episode about letting our redemption show. So if you missed that, check that out. That's super powerful. So the truth of the message shouldn't be in how perfect Christians are. It should be in how perfect our Savior God is and how much we all need him. Amen. And as far as being seen as judgmental, let's remember what the Apostle John said about Jesus. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So let's be like Jesus and not act as judge and jury towards others. Instead, let's just leave that up to God. Okay? Yeah. Sounds so, like a better way of doing things. I think that would help to tear down that thing. And there again, this whole this whole stereotype of, you know, Christians think they're better than everyone else, and but they're really hypocrites. Yeah. Go back and listen to last week's, you know, why we want to let our redemption show episode. It yep. really speaks to that whole thing, and it'll help tear down. Okay, here's another one. Okay. Christians are all Republicans, stereotype. Or, <laughs> I've heard that. Or Christians are all Democrats, hmm. right? Now, in a lot of churches, maybe especially like in the southern states here in America, it's assumed that if you're a Christian, you also probably vote Republican. Mm-hmm. But I've lived where the opposite was true. When I grew up in Chicago, okay, yeah, like people would say stuff like, I don't know how you could be a Christian and be a Democrat. But yeah. when I moved out here, it was the opposite. It was like, I don't know how you could really seriously follow Jesus and be a Republican. Oh, I heard the same exact story right? when I moved from Nashville. And so I, yeah, I think, I think it kind of flips both ways. I and mean, depending on where you sit, you know, <laughs> you figure, oh, all Christians are Republicans or whatever, right? Yep. Now, the Pew Research Center found that 81% of Republicans agree with check this out with these three religious value statements prayer is an important part of my daily life 81% of republicans say this um we will all be called before god at judgment day hmm. and the third one was i never doubt the existence of god 
But 62% of Democrats also agree with those statements. So there's a little bit of a distortion there, but not that far off. Yeah. So really, it seems to come down to preference in which issues individual voters view as most important. Mm-hmm. All of our political parties have stances that line up with a supposed Christian worldview, and they all have stances that don't. And I say supposed Christian worldview in sure. quotations because all Christians aren't even in agreement as to what our overall worldview is. Yep. And so while maybe a somewhat larger percentage of Christians tend to be Republicans, it may not be as polarized as we think. Yeah. And maybe it shouldn't be. You know, People shouldn't see it that way, like we're all in alignment with one party or the other. And of course... This stereotype leaves out Christians who live outside the U.S. So yeah. to say all Christians think this way or vote that way, but that's just not true, right? Yeah, so how how would you say we change a stereotype that wants to put Christians in a maybe a certain political box? Well, I, I'd say let's let's work hard to be known for what you're for, not mm. what you're against. That's okay? good. And and you know right like what are you for versus ah oh, what we're against and talk about the issues not the latest political scandals or partisan name throwing yep you know right? seek to first understand why another person holds the views on an issue that they have yep because they might have some legitimacy there before trying to win them over win the argument or prove them wrong I just don't see Jesus doing a whole lot of political wrangling around the campfire cooking fish with his disciples yeah and yet. He was with Jewish people who lived under the thumb and the tyranny of Roman rule, mm. and yet we don't see it, right? Yeah. So focus on what we're for and not just what we're against. So like, for instance, people are like, are you for the border wall or are you against the border wall? How about this as Christians? I'm for unity and, and all of humanity being treated with dignity. I'm also for the rule of law. So let's work hard to help people get you know, out of poverty and out of jacked up situations and let's help them manage the system that's been put in place imperfectly to protect people. Let's not abolish it or let's just throw up huge walls. What are you for? I'm for people. That's what God's for. That's what we get to be for. So there's that third way that you're talking about, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's not usually one way or the other. Yep. All right. Number three of your stereotypes. Oh man. Of the many, right? Okay. (laughs) Um, this is, this is huge, and it's a hot button, right? Christians are anti-homosexual and homophobic. Hmm. And maybe today the stereotype would be updated to say Christians are anti-LGBTQ. Yeah. Okay? So, but still the same sentiment there. Okay. So, again, there we find a common stereotype based on the perception of what Christians are against. Isn't it weird? Yeah. Like, so many of these stereotypes are because of what we've aligned ourselves against. Yep. And you know what? Maybe that's the biggest stereotype of all. Christians are against a lot of stuff and a lot of people that aren't in our camp. Hmm. Yikes. And sadly, I know that many Christians have been taught to label and rank sin or even temptation Sure. in certain categories, you know, some being way worse than others and certainly ones that God's more angry at than others, et cetera. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Hmm. So this particular topic and its related Christian stereotype is one that's filled with a lot of emotion and it's not without its associated landmines. Now, in recent years, a phrase has started to be used commonly amongst Christians in connection with their beliefs and around homosexuality or LGBTQ practices and topics and people, right? It says, love the person, hate the sin. Mm-hmm. You hear that all the time, oh, right? All the time. And unfortunately, since the love the person, love their neighbor part of that equation is usually woefully absent, what I think the culture hears is 
Christians are anti-gay people or anti-LGBTQ people. And what they're wondering is, and so am I today, is where's the love part? Yeah, amen. Like if we want to camp on this love the person, hate the sin kind of thing, well, where's the love part? Yeah. Right? Now, we're not here today to debate the topic of homosexuality and what the Bible teaches, okay? And is it outdated or is it culturally missing the point or is it right? And this is not what this episode's about. What it's about and what bothers me is, is that there's a very real stereotype out there that believes that God's kids, Christians, are anti anybody. Mm-hmm. God is for us. He's for people. He's for his image bearers. And God in Christ came to be with us. His love and his acceptance, it's unconditional. Yep. And it's for all of mankind, right? And we're called to, and we get to love each other in that same way. Yeah. And so our love and unconditional acceptance of gay people does not require approval of same-sex sexual activity, okay? And I have to add this, in the same way, the other side of the coin, someone not approving of activities in someone else's life or in your life does not equal that they hate that person. Yep. Okay? If that were true, then there'd be almost no one that could ever fall outside the hating everybody thing because we don't all agree with everybody else's choices. Yeah. So if we could stop ranking and rating sin, God doesn't do that, and stop being so flipped out and offended that people must hate us or that people assume we hate them because we don't agree with a choice they made, we're not going to get anywhere. Yep. A few years back, I put out a video and a blog post addressing gay marriage, and in it, I pointed out that relationally, it makes no sense to start off a conversation or try to build relationship by beginning with trying to identify all the things we don't have in common or the Mm. things we don't believe the same. Or let me try to point out all your sin. There's some good news for right? We're all image bearers in need of the same love and grace and redemption that Jesus came to offer. So let's start there, okay? And I, I fear that some of our listeners may want us to come down way harder left or right on this issue. But again, I have to say, my heart breaks that culturally, this stereotype exists that says that Christians, God's kids, and by extension, maybe God himself is anti-anybody. That just goes so against the gospel, Heath. Mm-hmm. It just does. Yep, you're right. And, you know, Jesus, you know, John says about Jesus, the beloved one says, you know, in, in 317, John 317 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn or judge the world, but to save the world through him. And notice it doesn't say, except for certain people who believe or do certain things. Yeah. So as a Christian, you cannot offer someone moral guidance unless you're also ready to accept and love them as they are, Hmm. just as Jesus accepted and loves us as we are. Now, at the same time, if you're not willing to offer someone that you claim to love, if you're not willing to offer them guidance on how you believe the Bible calls us to live a healthy, godly life, then you don't truly love them. You love yourself and your opinions Hmm. more than you love them and God's glory. To truly love anyone, you need to spend time together and get to know each other's stories and hopes and fears and pains. Like Jesus, love really does come with flesh on, and it takes a seat at the table, Yep. right? So let's, let's, let's be more about that and loving people instead of worrying about who's in and who's out like that. And, and That's a good word, man. a bad rep. We got to change that. Yeah, we absolutely do. Okay, I'm loving this so much. Let's keep going. Uh, stereotype four. Okay, next one. Um, Total left turn here, but it's it's a big one out there. I kept running into it, running into it. Is Christians ignore science, hmm. or they're anti-science or something like that, right? Like we're dummies and we just, you know, it's like science ain't real or yeah. something, right? However you want to word it. Now, when creation and evolution clash in courtrooms today, 
we see it all over the news. It's a big deal. The news just fills up with stories suggesting that there's some big, profound conflict between science and Christianity. Okay. Yep. Inevitably, someone mentions the historical incident of Galileo. Because <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Galileo was charged with heresy by the church, like way back there in 1633, yep. for teaching that the earth actually orbited the sun. <laughs> From Galileo to textbook battles, the hasty conclusion is that, you know, I don't know, science and Christianity are engaged in an endless debate. And they're just opposed to each other. Yep. And I think many people have a stereotype that there's something about Christianity and science that just don't mix. Mm -hmm. They also believe that most Christians throw out the idea of science altogether. But I think many Christians actually see science as a way to further strengthen their faith mm -hmm. as new discoveries reveal, you know, all the amazing things that God's created in this world. Science seeks to understand this creation that God's made, right? Yep. And, and like we get to look at a rainbow and understand that, well... Scientifically, it happens due to light being reflected through tiny water droplets in air and prisms. And all right, I don't yeah. know. But Christians, we also get to appreciate it further and also see that that rainbow is a subtle way that God reminds us of his relational covenant with all mankind and his love for us. Hmm. See, where science can't answer the question, does God exist? Can't prove it. Some people argue that God's existence is actually a scientific claim that should be able to be tested like a chemical reaction. But see, science studies the natural world, not the supernatural, mm -hmm. and no amount of scientific testing or theories or theorizing or whatever could prove or disprove the existence of a supernatural creator. See, so the claim that God exists, that's a metaphysical or a faith-related question, not a claim about nature or physical laws. So hmm. it's clear we we understand the, the two are different, right? Yeah. And while many of our questions might be clearly categorized as science questions or as Bible questions, I think there are other questions that live sort of in the boundary between the two. Yep. You know, for topics like evolution or medical ethics and climate change, mm -hmm. we need to consider both science and faith when seeking out God's truth. Yep. I mean, these are complex issues and questions and we need all the knowledge and wisdom we can get rather than handicapping ourselves by looking only to science or only looking to the Bible. Like, I'm going to try to figure out this scientific question, but only from Scripture. Hmm. If we look to only one or the other, we maybe get, you know, actually a distorted view of the issue. Yep. So, you know, think about this. God reveals himself in the book of Scripture and in the book of nature. Hmm. Remember, Jesus said, even the rocks will cry out. Yep. <laughs> so to learn more about God and his work, we get to study both books. And when one book's confusing or ambiguous, maybe insights from the other book can help us understand it. And in both revelations, what we're looking for is the underlying truth of who God is and how he made the world and who he's made us to be as stewards of his glorious creation. So I think we can begin to change that stereotype that Christians are anti-science by embracing the both and of what the Bible teaches and what our scientific unraveling of the knowledge of the wonder of all that he has made can show us as well. Yeah. And by the way, I, I just want to thank author Sarah Rolls uh, for her clarifying work on this issue. I did some deep dive into yeah. some stuff she's written. Super helpful. So let's embrace the both and, and and not camp out on one side or the other or just weird thrown out statements from something we heard on the radio or you know yep. in a Bible study class 30 years ago. We get to embrace embrace both. God's revealing himself both in scripture and in through nature and the study of nature, which is what science is all about. And one of the other uh, things I'd point you to is if you haven't yet listened to episode 166 with how to understand and talk about climate change, 
That's the first time we talked to Catherine Hejo, who's a, a Christian climate scientist. She's and, back in the news today. Oh, she's met, yeah, like exploding right now with some of her recent works in the New York Times. Solid but, believer, solid scientist. But she rocked my world from that scientific yeah. scientific standpoint of, no, you, you can take both into consideration. Yeah. So and episode think, 166. And I think as we, as Christians, take both in and you know, hold, look at that and learn from both, then that stereotype's going to fall that we're anti-science or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's quit arguing about how old moon rocks are and stuff that's <laughs> totally irrelevant, right? <laughs> like, uh, all right, number all right. five. Here's the last one we're going to talk about today. Stereotype. Christians are not any fun to be around. That's the that's... cute church lady from SNL. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that special? Yeah. Crazy, yeah. right? And I think... Because Christians in the church, are, as we've seen today, are often identified by what we're against, it mm-hmm. shouldn't come as a surprise to us that there's this stereotype that believes Christians are no fun to be around. Yeah. Right? If you're just a negative, if you're just a bummer all the time, right? Maybe some of this has to do with parts of our church family that strictly forbids the consumption of alcohol yep. and how culturally alcohol is closely linked to parties and celebration and fun in, in much of the world. Yeah. But the stereotype that all Christians are not allowed to drink— that's false, yep. okay? The Bible tells us that drinking in moderation is perfectly okay, okay? Look at Ecclesiastes 9, 7. It says, go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Hmm. Beautiful, right? Although drinking's not prohibited, it can become dangerous when it's not consumed properly, yep. right? Or, you know, appropriately. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So there's a caution there, but it's not a prohibition. Hmm. And I think that that loud prohibition by some aspects of our family, though it's not found scripturally, has given us this stereotype and this rep of that Christians are just a drag. Yeah. You know. So let me tell you a little story that will help illustrate this. We were throwing okay. a party one night, and I think it was, it was actually a Halloween party. And in, in our old house, our last house, and pretty near the beginning of, of the evening uh, of that party, seven or seven or eight people from the neighborhood had drifted in and out, and the doorbell rang again. And um, at the door, there was this couple that we had never met before, Ryan and Liz. They're both doctors, okay? And they had bought a house around the corner from us, and it was this little cute three-tone green one, but they hadn't moved in yet. Anyway, okay. so they said, well, we got this invitation to your party, but we can't stay tonight. Sorry, but we at least wanted to meet you and say how cool it is to see a neighborhood where people actually know each other and want to hang out. We're so excited. We're moving in like next month. Hmm. And then off they went back into the dark. And, and that whole conversation maybe lasted five minutes. Oh, wow. Maybe a little longer, okay? A few months later, now after a couple more times of getting to hang out together, Liz, Liz told me, she says, you know, Ryan and I don't go to church or anything, but we're, you know, we're trying to have kids. And when we have kids, we're going to take them to your church. Now, I had never mentioned I was a pastor or worked at a church, so I asked her, I said, why is that? Hmm. She said, because we want our kids to grow up serving people and loving their neighbors and having fun the way you all do. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. Now, we had not really got around, you know, been around them all that much, to be truthful, We had, but we had treated them like our family in small little ways. Hmm. But the open door and the casual acceptance that they felt from us and our community spoke volumes to their hearts already. Sure. Now, that is precisely the point of our celebrations, that people would both see the heart of our God and feel invited to his party, Yep. right? Wouldn't it be great to overhear someone at a cafe in your town saying like, I don't know if I believe what these Christians around here believe, but boy, they sure know how to throw a party, Yeah. right? Shouldn't that be happening all the time? You'd think so. I mean, the church 
God's body of believers, his kids, that's us. We should be the most celebratory people on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about all that we have to celebrate, right? We're forgiven from all our sins, even the ones we haven't committed yet. We, we've been transformed into a new creation, and we have new God-given identities that we get to live out of. We, re- we represent God as his family here. Yeah. Everywhere we go, he now lives with us. And oh yeah, by the way, we get to live forever, <laughs> like eternal <laughs> life. That's a big thing. Like we should party every day about that. Yep. Everybody's freaking out about death. Death no more for us. We get to live forever. So that's something to celebrate. And I think we should be throwing parties and celebrating and big parties and small ones, all of yeah. it. And we should be there. And like Jesus, we can live radically inclusive, countercultural lives and be the bringers of the better wine like he was at the wedding feast in Cana. That was that's what was going on this Halloween. We I think we won, man, in the mm. neighborhood, right? People, I mean, literally lots of people are like, "Why are you doing all this? This yeah. is so much. This is so fun." Yeah. You know, cuz there was Tina had two types of chili and we had both red and white wine and some beers well, and fun. we're just pouring little cups of it. You know, no big sure. deal. And, and I know some people are like, "Oh, that's so bad. I'm never listening again." Whatever. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, "Jesus, then talk to Jesus about yeah, that, right?" Exactly. But it was countercultural even to the world to live this way, just like it was when the wine steward comes up to Jesus and goes, whoa, 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 who makes hundreds of gallons of the best wine and then brings it out, at, you know, yeah. brings out the best wine at the end? It was countercultural, right? And so I think if we start being radically inclusive with people and throwing the best parties and showing up and being the bringer of the best, that'll start to tear down the stereotypes that are often holding others back and adding to the growing walls of separation that we already see today. Yep. We don't need that. We don't need any more of that. So if the fact that we could throw a good party and everybody feels comfortable to come tears down the walls of what people think of Christians, so therefore they're a little closer to believing the truth about what our dad's like, yep. oh, man, I'm all for it. <laughs> I agree, man. Right? Oh. We've seen a lot of people come to faith, too, just through the, the amount of celebrating that we've thrown in our neighborhood. Yep. And I would say... If yep. you need your butt kicked a little bit on this, uh, episode 211 <laughs> on why the church should be throwing better parties, it's a great episode to kind of remind us that great. we have the reason to celebrate. So that's episode 211 if you want to go back and listen yeah. in there. All right, man. Well, let's We've let been cruising. summarize this into the big three takeaways if I can. Yes, yeah, so let's week. do the big three. That's the PDF as a free download. You get printable by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. If we haven't given enough already, we want you to walk away with, at the very least, the next three things we're going to throw out here. So right. Caesar, Don't miss this, right? Yeah, what are the big three for this week? Okay, so first thing, stereotypes are developed for a reason, they, you know, and we can start changing that by owning up to our part, hmm. right? Start there. There's always a little truth or actual experience connected to these Christian stereotypes. So how, you know, have you fallen into further propagating some of them, hmm. to be honest about that? Often it's easier to hide or make knee-jerk, cliched sort of statements regarding tough issues, but neither help to dispel stereotypes or build unity. Exactly. Okay. We so should be working let's towards own up unity. to it. Yeah, exactly. All right, number two. Two. Um, the stereotypes that, that people have about Christians and the ones that Christians have about certain other people only serve to divide us. Like we said earlier today, there's no like positive stereotypes generally. <laughs> Don't settle for oversimplified images or ideas of a particular type of person or people group. Jesus came that we might once again be restored to a fullness in our relationships, both with him and with each other. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. That takes being together. Let his unconditional love and patience with you motivate that same type of interaction with others. Yeah, that's good, man. All right, last one, number three. Okay, number three, here we go. 
seek to live in Jesus's third way. I love that, the way you put Mm. that. Seek to live in his third way. He was always for people, for his Father's glory, and for the fullness of life that he created us to live in and enjoy. And his life matched his message. Hmm. Let your actions precede your words, and let your words build up rather than divide. Sometimes, I think it's, it's, it's still spot on. Like my mother always said, if you don't have something nice to say, it's better to say nothing at all. Yeah, I agree. Right. So simple, but it's so true. Follow the third way of Jesus. All right, thanks for those, Caesar. Again, those big three you get for free as a printable PDF by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, and we'll get them right away into your inbox. If you haven't yet joined our Facebook group, everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook, and... Away we go. Away we go. And yep. with community and conversation and kickback. and uh, I love it. I love it when I get the little ding and there's my box and someone's on the group. And they're, cause I always know it's like serious people and they're seriously yeah. digging into this yeah. and, and the gospel and all of life, right? And how it's, it's, so love it's, it. It's cool seeing people grow in gospel fluency there too, like from beginning to now. It's amazing. Yeah, love it. If you haven't yet given us a review on iTunes or Pandora or Spotify or Stitcher or Podbean or any of those, (laughs) go give us a couple stars and tell us what you love about the show. That puts this podcast out in front of people that may have not have heard of it before. And that's always helpful for us. Well, that's it for today. I hope that this has given you plenty to think about. And I hope you'll share this episode with others in your life and in church. And please join us again next week. We will continue to look at how the good news of the gospel speaks into and reshapes everything about everything. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.